Hi, this is Tim Winter. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A digital conversation exploring the leadership experience. You can listen to it at timwinter.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to What Would Dave Do, a podcast exploring the leadership experience. I am really, really thrilled today. Uh, I met this gentleman probably 10 years ago, uh, and it uh, changed my life profoundly. Uh, I was blown away with his uh, ability to facilitate, uh, to capture a room, um, and it really, really, it's just an honor to have him on the show. Uh, Michael Alonzo is a communication master and a self-awareness specialist, um, it really a motivational speaker. He's an actor. There's His resume is immense, and uh, I'm so thrilled to have him on the show. Welcome, Michael. How are you? Being with you, Tim, like a gourmet dinner. Everyone say hello to Timothy Winner. I'm here to help you be your best you. But here's the question. What would Dave do? Oh. Hey, brother. It's so good to be with you. I'm it's... looking out at the Atlantic Ocean. Of course um, you are. Beautiful southern Maine, and it's just a gray day, but there's no non-beautiful day when you look out at the ocean. makes you feel so grateful to be alive. Sunrises here are so vivid. Non-believers, I say, just come here and look at the sunrise and see if you change your mind. It's just like it's breathtaking. So I'm listening to you while this outdoors is informing me how grateful I need to be that I'm on this planet. Uh, so thank you, brother, for inviting me. Well, thank you. Uh, and I just really, really uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So so we met. I was at a Vistage meeting in uh, Bend, Oregon, and you were the, the speaker and you did your program, uh, You on Your Best Day. Where did that come from? To remind you, Tim, I started my career as a high school drama teacher. Yeah, why don't so, you take us through that? Take it all. Yeah, the, like you know, the, I'm a blue collar kid. <laughs> uh, like I, I, neither of my parents graduated from the tenth grade. Suburban Boston, you know, the American dream. My father was a fireman. He painted houses. My mother raised three kids. Worked at the local donut shop, and then off I went to Brandeis University, majored in theater arts, and figured out that what I wanted to do is teach theater. I wanted to build kids' self esteem through theater. And I spent the first 10 years of my career deeply immersed as a theater teacher, changing kids' lives, being completely invested in honing so many different skills and crafts. And so from there, I went directly to get my Master's of Fine Arts in directing at Boston University to, to study to be what I became, which was a professional director, choreographer, actor, completely immersed in the professional theater and film scene. And then by accident, you know, I, I truly believe, Tim, that if you're excellent, other people will see the excellence and they'll figure you out if you do everything with excellence. And so I'd be giving curtain speeches at theaters, like introducing plays, and people would stop me afterwards and say, hey, can you coach me how to do that? Like, I, I'm a lawyer, I'm a politician, and I, I'm kind of oversimplifying it, but only a little bit. And before I knew it, I'm coaching executives one of those executives invited me to a Vistage meeting. And I'm, I'm assuming your audience knows Vistage is the 
world's largest trainer of CEOs and other executives. And suddenly I get invite, invited to be a speaker. I wasn't a speaker. I was a director, choreographer, actor. And I started speaking to these CEO groups, which then in turn gave me a career that I don't know if I'd ever would have expected that synthesized everything I'd done before. CEOs are as needy as high school drama students <laughs> in terms of what they need to be them on their best day. And so it was because this vistage chair, when I went to the meeting, I went to a meeting, this was in 2003, Tim, I went to a meeting to watch one of my clients. He hired me to go to the meeting. So I'm there taking notes. I'm, I'm this director actor guy taking notes from my VP of a utility company. And as I'm leaving, the chair said, can you share your notes with everybody? You're a, you're a note taker. And I said, oh, my notes for my client are confidential. <laughs> and he said, no, you took notes about everybody, dude, spill them. So I, I shared all my notes. Tim, the next day he called me and he said, I want you to be a speaker. And he said, I'm gonna send you the paperwork, come up with a program. And Tim, pretty much overnight, I created You and Your Best Day, 35 Secret Weapons to Help You Be You and Your Best Day. And I did his two groups in January 2004. I never did a pro bono talk. I, and he went on ChairNet, their gossip column. And some other guy in Providence, Rhode Island picked me up that March. And over 3,000 Vistage groups later and hundreds of personal clients and friends that I've developed because of the Vistage connection, here I am. And that's, that's the story. Wow. Well, for anybody who hasn't attended it, 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 it and, and it's you started so unexpectedly. I love the opening monologue where you talk about your life and how you woke up and your daughter calls you and tells you how much she loves you. I, is it always the same or do you improv that? Yes and yes. <laughs> so secret, secret weapon number 15 is sterling <laughs> preparation blended with the utmost spontaneity. So I believe structure frees creativity. We believe in theater, in sports, in music, that you have to have a superstructure that liberates you to be creative. So I do have a structure. I have my opening story, my 35 secret weapons. I always know what my ending is. And then it's different every single time. So I've given the same presentation thousands of times, and none of them have been the same. Do you follow that paradox? I, I absolutely do. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, well, it was, um, I will tell you, it was life changing for me and it made such an impact on me that I actually then had you come to our national conference and speak and do it. And, and, and you were brilliant. You, you were able to improv it. And that was a large, I mean, that was a huge room of people and, uh, you were able to just, you killed it. And, and your pre, when you came in that morning and just met with some of the people, it, it was really magical. I, I think that, you know, you certainly know this, but, and you, and I know you're very humble, but you certainly have a gift. Thank you. And I never take it for granted and secret weapon number 27, self-improve. So I'm always trying to get better and I, I struggle to get better and I do get better. And I love what you just said, because most people don't even notice that I do that. That speaks to your perspicacity, Tim. So what you're talking about is a prologue. See, a lot of people don't understand that we have prologues and epilogues. Maria Callas, the great opera singer, says the opera begins to the opera singer long before the curtain goes up and ends long after it goes down. So I think salespeople sometimes think the sales presentation starts when the sales presentation starts. 
I think virtual workshops, people think the workshop starts when the workshop starts. No, it doesn't. It starts before. So that prologue is super valuable. So I always get to keynotes early. I want to meet people. I want to gather data. I want to gather beauty that I then use in the keynote to make it immediate. Nobody wants to hear past tense. They want to hear present tense. Nobody wants to see your slide deck and hear <laughs> you talk about things in the past. They want it immediate happening right now. And so when I go early and do that prologue, I'm able to be immediate and be more relevant. So thanks for noticing that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not going to let you get off the show without giving just because, you know, Dave and I spent a lot of time at Hollywood Entertainment in the movie business. And I, maybe that was the connection where I had with you. But you were in you've been in some movies. You've directed some big plays. I, I want to just explore that just a little bit. Like you, you were in the Pink Panther movies, right? I was in Pink Panther 2, oh, two. with Steve Martin. Yeah. I played the maitre d'. Uh, by the way. <laughs> The listening audience, if you all go and download that right now, every <laughs> single one of you, next month, I will get a check for $4.87. <laughs> so please feed my family. I play the maitre d' of the restaurant that Inspector Closeau burns down twice. Yeah. I play this snotty, tight-butted, effete guy. It was a huge stretch for me, Tim. <laughs> and so that, that, uh, <laughs> it was a ball, you know. And so, I, yeah. And I've had the pleasure of acting with John C. Riley in a play. I actually got to work with Lucille Ball before she passed away. So many blessings and plays that I've directed with wonderful actors whose names you don't know were some of the most brilliant people I've ever worked with. Um, just mind boggling and all designed to make a difference in the audiences that we share these pieces of theater with. And see, that's been the evolution. I started with kids making a difference in these kids' lives. Then theater and film was the vehicle to touch masses of people. And then finally, this, this next chapter that I'm in now is to work with leaders because the trickle-down potential for leaders. So look, I worked with you, and look how many people have benefited from your excellence because of the little couple of pieces you took away from me and paid forward. So that's what I want to do. God put me on this earth to make a difference in people's lives. And so that's the joy of all these. That's what they all have in common. Yeah, that that is um, so. That <laughs> again, again, I, I sometimes around when I get around you, I get a little speechless because you're, uh, you know, you're uh, you are you're what I always wanted to grow up and be. Um, oh. Yeah, I I just um, you Don't know, make I me cry. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's just so weird. You said that I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina last week and people were, I did a group of incredible executives. They went around the room and one woman, it, got, it was her turn and everyone had said these very eloquent and articulate takeaways. She paused and she said, the only thing I can say is I want to be you. And it's like, Tim, it's like, man, like I cry easily, especially now that I'm older. But like, she just got me. And it's the way she said it. And what, what, a, what a lovely thing for a person to say to you. And what, what we all have to understand is when you say that to somebody, you're giving a great gift to that person. And what I think people forget is that when you give a gift to a person like that, like you just did to me, the biggest benefactor is you. Because listen to the joy in your voice. Listen to the giddy up in your step. There's so much joy when you give that gift. It's the only thing of the 35 secret weapons that I've trademarked. 
Secret Weapons 567, Truth, Specificity, Positive Thinking. Truth, T, Specificity, S, Positive Thinking, P. Timothy, what's TSP with a period after it in a simple recipe? Uh, tablespoon. Now, I'm not eating at your house. It's teaspoon. So, <laughs> teaspoon, okay. <laughs> right. This is how we nurture and feed the people who come to us for criticism with that very criticism that we give them. And I believe it needs to be truthful, specific, and positive. And that's what you just model. It's beautiful. So you fill buckets. And when you fill buckets all day, whose bucket gets filled the most? Yours. So it's a joyous way to live. And that's how you become you and your best day. Bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> uh, this takes me back. I, I feel like I'm in that meeting room <laughs> above the Shoots Brewery. Uh, <laughs> all over again. Awesome. Ben, <laughs> you had a great ben. time in Ben. Ben was yeah. beautiful, and I don't even drink beer. And I went to the, you know, I went to that brewery, and I, <laughs> I tasted the beer, tried to be earnest. Um, you know, I love Ben, not for beer. It's like so right. there you go. <laughs> well, it's the high desert. There, there's something about it, you know, that uh, you're in the desert, but you have all four seasons, and it's pretty Absolutely. amazing. Pretty amazing. Has has your philosophy? You've been doing this. Over 3,000, I think you've been the visited speaker of the year for more years than I can count. Um, has your philosophy about leadership changed? i tell you one thing, the core of it has not, but many things about it has. One specific thing, Tim, when you say that, you know, Secret Weapon 16 is objective. <laughs> I believe you have to play a strong objective all the time. And what we say in theater, objective means desired result what I want Tim to do at the end of this meeting. And I'll tell you a major change that has evolved through the years is I used to think that if I came in with my strong objective, that was gonna make me excellent and that alone. And what I learned through the years is that I was missing a whole piece there. I have to think about what your objective is. A quick theater example, Tim, you're aware of this, but maybe your audience isn't. A lot of people think when uh, you direct a professional play and then you go see the play, the director is in the audience watching the play. Well, that's not true. The director's contract ends on opening night of the play. And sometimes the theater will hire the director back during the run to give notes to the actors. So that that is uh, a lot of people don't know that the, the director is gone that the director has left. And so I, there's a thing in rehearsal because you, this, the only time you have them is in the rehearsal if they don't bring you back for those notes. And the first, people think people come to the rehearsals with all their lines learned. They don't. There's a, a day in the rehearsal process that says you are all off book on this day. So at the beginning, we're all holding books. We're struggling through. I personally hold the book longer than other actors because I need to learn the movements and the intentions at the same time as the lines. So on that day, you drop books. Uh, I remember early in my career, I was giving notes and I said to one actor, I said, dude, what happened in scene four? All the work we had done for you, to the objectives we came up with all out the window, what was happening with you, man? And he looked at me and he said, Michael, all I was working on was trying to remember the stupid lines. I wasn't working on any of the nuances or stuff that you're talking about. All I was doing was trying to survive and not call line 48 times. And Tim, it was a big aha for me because I wasn't honoring 
his objective. His objective was noble in terms of his process. What he had to do, I needed to be more aligned with his objective. And so what it's really impacted me to do was be a better coach and to te teach coaching better by having a heightened sensitivity of what other people's objectives are. And so what you end up doing is coaching more for strengths than for weaknesses. I think the way my business has evolved, I think I coached for weaknesses a lot of the times. I'm going to coach you up on your weaknesses. Now I spend much more time on identifying your strengths so your strengths can be better. And in order to do that, I need to understand what your objective is. What do you want to do? Yeah, I think that that, you know, I, I wrote a blog and I'm pretty adamant about, I think the annual review process is is barbaric and, and should be abolished. Um, and, you know, because I, I went through this exercise. I was very fortunate when I spent so many years at Hollywood Entertainment and I found this file. We were moving and I found this file box of stuff and I had saved every review I'd ever gotten in 14 years. And they were all different and they changed them all the time. But the, the, at the base of it, at the, at the core, my weaknesses were my weaknesses and my strengths were my strengths. Yes. Through that time. And these are different supervisors. Obviously in 14 years, I had different supervisors who, who gave me feedback. What I realized was, wow, this was really just a process that they went through that they had to. But there was one review in there and it was before Hollywood had a review process, a formal review process. We had hired a new senior vice president. He came on and he was like, what? well, where's the review? He, well, we don't have one. He goes, well, I want to establish a baseline. So he took a piece of paper and he basically took his core things that are important to him about leadership, communication. Uh, it was really interesting. And he wrote out a paragraph on each one of them. And we sat down and he had me, he went through it with me and he had me sign it. And when mm. I read that, I was like, this is amazing. He wasn't trying to hit a bell curve. He wasn't giving me a meets or an exceeds. He just gave me honest feedback based on seven principles of leadership that he believed in. Beautiful. So he's heightening your self-awareness. Yes. See, you know, the most important word, Tim, is authenticity. So I call it you on your best day, not you on Tim Winter's best day, you on Michael Alasso's best day. It's you on your best day. And so I believe in order to be 100% authentic, you need to be 100% intentional. So I love your story because you were having your intentionality heightened by seeing that written out. Now, oh, that's who I am. Now let me do that and heighten my authenticity by doing it with more intentionality. And that's what I help people to do, to be more intentional. You can't be more intentional until you're self-aware. I don't know what I'm doing until that's why actors need directors. You give me the feedback, then I understand the impact I have. Like the way you opened up, like it was saying way back when in Bend, Oregon, that makes me better because now I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to be aware that I had that impact on you and I'm going to use those skills with more intentionality to make a difference in people's lives. Well, I can only imagine how many people that you've impacted. And it's interesting too, though, because some people get very, like there were some people in that room who got very uncomfortable, yeah. but I think they get uncomfortable because I think you, you take people to a, to a place of, of real being super authentic. And I think that that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Please don't ever tell me that everyone in the room was comfortable when I was there, because <laughs> if that's where we go to, 
My job is to make the uncomfortable comfortable. And so in order to do that, you need to go through some, it's like my personal trainer. He said, does it, he always says to me on a scale of one to 10, how painful is this? Oh, how easy it is to do it. And if I say 10, get down here, adding this, it's like, if it's 10 all the time, then what am I doing? So yeah, I, authenticity requires candor. It also requires love. You know, it's much easier for me to do a bunch of slides where I don't talk about anybody in the room and I talk about generic excellence through platitudes. Well, I don't run the risk of anybody being uncomfortable, but I certainly run the risk of everybody dozing off and not getting a lot from my presentation. So I, my job is to love you. And if I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth in a way that you'll get to hear it. Now, in that journey, you might be uncomfortable as you go through it, but we'll get you to be comfortable to look at what your beauty is, celebrate that beauty and go after it, and then downplay those weaknesses so that you're aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm always in awe and I know that you do this and I know you're a master communicator. I know that you, you just, you've honed this skill, uh, but your ability to communicate is, um, just amazing to me. I, it's just absolutely, I'm, I'm in awe as much today as I was in Florida <laughs> when I watched, when, when we brought you out to do our national conference and you showed up and, and you just, you grabbed that crowd and it was incredible. Um, or when there was 14 people in a, in a, in a conference room and band, um, your ability to communicate and connect is, is amazing. Thank uh, you, Tim. So you've worked for some brilliant, amazing companies. You've done amazing work. What are you most proud of? What is Michael most proud of? When someone says to me, you made a difference in my life, that's what I'm most proud of. And what I call it, Tim, is act one and act two. It's not enough for me to only have made a difference in act one of your day. I want to make a difference in act two as well. Do you understand, Tim, what I mean by yeah. act one, act two? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so this is act one yeah. in my business life. Act two is waiting for me on this door over my left shoulder. And I don't know about any play you've ever seen or directed, but any play I've ever seen or directed, act two is more important than act one. So the same energy and commitment that I give you, I have to give Peggy at the end of a workday. And so what I'm most proud of is when someone says, yeah, you impacted my act one, but you impacted my act two, at least as much, if not more. So you and your best day requires you to be this organic, excellent person all the time, which is freaking exhausting. And it's a beautiful exhaustion. Tim, what some people tell me is that, oh my gosh, I can't do what you say. At the end of the day, I just want to walk in the house, collapse on the floor because I have nothing left. What? What sense does that make? Like, what is this for? Who's important to you? And so it's, it's how you sustain it in act two. And yes, we all have downtimes, but your downtime has to be by yourself behind closed doors. It's not when you greet your life partner and your children, if you have them. That's not when you go to downtime. That, that has to have its own special excellence. So when people tell me that the act two has been enhanced because of meeting and working with me, man, is that a gift? Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, 
And, and, you know, to your point, we don't know how long we have <laughs> this gift of, of loving, of relationships, of friendships, of work, of joy, of the beauty of the planet. Uh, and so why find somebody like Michael to help you find that joy so that when you do walk through that door, you know, you're, you're on as much as you are at work or anywhere like dig deep to find that joy. Um, I, I know it always amazes me. I, I don't, I, I, you say it much better than I do, but it always amazes me. Like I try, I try to be the best person I can 24 hours a day. Like, how can I, how can I be a great father? How can I be a better spouse? And I don't always do it right. Like I'm sometimes a horrible spouse, but it's at least being aware of it and, and knowing that I need to try. And yeah. I think, right. Yeah. Well, and see, you said the word on. So for some people, the naysayers mm. that turns them off. Sure. Oh, so it's this fake thing that I have to turn mm. on. If I can't be myself with my family, whoa, 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 slow down. Who is yourself? Is yourself a moody, grumpy, exhausted person? Is that what you're saying yourself is? Or is yourself someone who wants to heap goodies on your children, who wants to tighten the bond between you and your life partner for the short time that we're on this earth? You have to identify who your authentic self is. On is the opposite of fake. People measure uh, authenticity by their obstacles too often, Tim. I'm tired. That's an obstacle. I've had a long day. That's an obstacle. I say you measure authenticity based upon your objective. What is your objective? If your objective is to get your life partner out of your way so you can take a nap, fine. Then that's your authentic self. If your objective is to make your family work together as a collaborative team that helps each other through problems, through joys, through down, then let's see that authentic behavior. Measure your authenticity through your objective, not your obstacle. Brilliant. Bravo. Bravo. See, grazie, mille grazie. <laughs> so let me ask you this. We're gonna we're gonna come up against the time because you are a busy man, and I want to make sure I ask you what advice would you give a new executive? I love this question coming from somebody who has your experience, who's worked with so many, but a yeah, up and coming young executive, what advice would you give them going into the workplace today? It's, it's the word immersion. So Tim, if you may remember this, when, when I met you and I was introduced to you and your colleagues, this is this guy who's an actor director from Boston. Eye rolls. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why is this guy here? And I asked you all to make a list of skills and talents you associate with actors at the top of their game. And we made this giant list that included adaptability, emotional intelligence, confidence, vocal skills, body language, improv skills, risk taking. And I turned to you all and I said, if I were making a list of skills and talents you need, which one or ones of these would you cross out? Because you have no need for them whatsoever as a leader in business, a leader in your household. And Tim, do you remember how many we crossed out? 
I, I don't, but I'm trying to tell me. Zero. Zero. You That's don't right. need vocal skills. You don't need adaptability. You don't That's need right. improv That's skills. That's right. It's the exact same list. And on that list is a word that we call immersion. So actors don't pretend to be the role. What do they do, Tim? Actors at the top of their game. They, they don't pretend. What no, do they do? They, they become immersed in the role. They are the are role. The, yeah, they become that and person. So, right. I'm not interested in you sort of being a CEO, sort of being a dad, sort of being a husband. I'm interested in full immersion in the role. So the advice that I would give is how do you solve full immersion in the role? Now, there's that's not a rhetorical question. One is understanding your objective, which means you have to st state it out loud. That's secret weapon number 16. Secret weapon 17, find tactics to do that. Secret weapon 18, get rid of the obstacles that get in your way. For me, I'll give you an example of what I need in order to do that. I need intermissions. So the big lesson I learned during COVID, you know, I did, I was locked down for 59 weeks. You know, New England's like Oregon. We really had COVID here, yeah. unlike other parts of the country that where there was no COVID. 59 weeks, Tim. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't go to church, restaurant. I don't know. Peggy and I went to a restaurant twice. I don't know if it counts. It was outside. We were on one side of the, the, the yard and the other couple was on the other side of the yard and you got food from a trough. You went and <laughs> got it independently. And so, you know, it's uh, what I learned, though, during that is I thought at the beginning, I told Sarah, Sarah's my executive assistant, I call her my work wife, is like, Sarah, you just sit at this stupid computer all day, pack it in. Oh, my gosh, Tim, by the second week of April 2020. I was spent, me, Mr. Show Business Energy, five, six o'clock every day. All I wanted to do was go downstairs, eat dinner, veg, and watch Jeopardy. I had nothing left. So what I asked Sarah to do is to give me a 30-minute intermission between everything. And today she's failed at that because right after you, I have a one-on-one. -on -one. Right after that one-on-one, -on -one, I have another one-on-one. -on -one. It's not her fault. We were nice to somebody who had to cancel at the last minute, and we put them in to where my intermission was today. And so that's, that's I'm going to feel it. And it's going to be, it's going to, act two is going to suffer because of it. Because what I need to do is have an intermission. I need intermissions. So uh, my advice is you need to fully immerse and you need to figure out how you can fully immerse. And one of the ways might be to build in intermissions in your day. So maybe I have one client in Houston, what he, how he builds in the intermission is he drives home on a business call every day, garage door goes up on his back wall. He's written a poster that says, act two, it's showtime. And oh. what he does is he puts the phone away when he sees that sign and goes in and sees his wife and kids and begins act two. So the best advice I can give you is immerse yourself in the world and figure out what you need to do so that you are fully immersed so that you can put your energy where the energy is deserved. And if that means you got to go to Starbucks by yourself and sit outside and drink your oat milk latte for a half hour before you go home, do it. it means you got to go lock yourself in a, a hot shower with the steam going, do it. You go to the gym by yourself and, and sit on the elliptical for 45, do it. What do you got to do? Take the intermissions so that you can immerse. That is fantastic advice. So uh, it is emerge yourself in the role, 
you can't, you know, don't let imposter syndrome get you. Don't do you, you got promoted. Somebody believed you can do the role. Now immerse your, immerse yourself in the role, be that new executive and then find out what, what you need. Uh, brilliant advice. Michael, thank you. Thank you, bro. Uh, thank you. So let me ask you this. So I'm not, I want to be very respectful of your time and I know you have uh, another meeting to get to, but before we leave, just can you share a memory uh, usually at this part of the, 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 sometimes on the show, if I have somebody who knew Dave, I, I always ask him to share a different oh. memory of Dave. And I know that you didn't, uh, and I think I, I shared this with you and I'll share it with the audience is, you know, right after I went to Michael's uh, Vistage presentation in band, I, I remember calling Dave and, and telling him, I met this guy. You're not going to believe it. I mean, and I went, I was trying to do you, you know, it's like the people who see a comic on Friday night and then go to the office on Monday and try to repeat it. And it's, it never really works well, but I was trying to share with him some of the things and, and, and you on your best day and how you started it. Cause it, it made such an impact on my life. Um, but uh, knowing that you didn't know Dave, what is there, is there something, a memory when your leadership profoundly impacted another person's life or, or just a memory about leadership or what you have, uh, what you've accomplished. I never that, take those moments for granted, Tim. And uh, it would be false humility if I didn't say in my life, they happen daily. And it is such a gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving that fills my bucket that motivates me to, to fill buckets even more. So let me just go to a recent one. I, I do a retreat up here in Maine for two and a half days, twice a year. And the next one, September 21st through 23rd, where it's all about for two and a half days. We start on a Thursday night. We end on a Saturday night. I take a small group of people on a farm up here in beautiful Southern Maine. I take them on a journey doing creative exercises, improv, all designed to push them outside their comfort zone, to heighten their immersion in self-awareness, communication, and leadership. Usually, the population is people who chose to be there. I had a young woman this time. My relationship was with her boss. And she got required to come to the retreat. He made her come <laughs> to the retreat. So Thursday night, she arrives. And nice young woman clearly seemed uncomfortable. She didn't want to be there wasn't connecting well to all the other people and I'm watching her by Saturday night the people in the room adored her and the people stood up to point out how she had changed their lives with her the way she connected with them the way she gave them feedback and by how vulnerable she had made herself to make her personal growth what we didn't know at the beginning is that she was going through a difficult divorce. Oh. What we didn't know at the beginning is that her youngest child has special needs. Uh, and what the other people didn't know at the beginning is that she didn't want to be there in the first place. And it was tough for her to leave Texas and to come all the way for two and a half days to Southern Maine in June to do this thing. And she, we, I, I have them do takeaways at the end of the retreat in the style of the takeaway. So if they say they've learned to be warmer to people, they have to do it in that style. If they say their takeaway was to be more self-confident, uh, they need to do that. Her takeaway was that her vulnerability by being vulnerable 
it became an asset, not something that she needed to be ashamed of, that she could use for strength. And she said it in such an articulate way. The room exploded with applause for this woman. And she wrote me the most gorgeous email that I'm going to keep forever, loaded with truthful, specific, positive feedback, which was something she hadn't done before. She hadn't really given it in an intentional way, nor received it in a graceful, intentional way. And she had to do both for two and a half days. So her life has been changed, to use her words. Her CEO wrote me and said, man, she is flying high. I am, I'm so fortified by her because she was an unexpected victory. You know, sometimes I walk in the room and the leader says, ah, this is the, like you said, Dave would have loved you. You and he would have been like this. This was the extreme other end of the spectrum. This woman is not going to like you. She's not going to be one of your favorites, Michael. Wrong and wrong. You know what our parents taught us? Don't judge a book by its cover. Get in there. That cliche has a lot of value. So I would, she's, she is so fresh in my mind right now. I love her so much. I'm so proud of her. And she is carrying that on and sending it to other people who might be in similar distress as she so that they can up their game. And she's vice president of the company. That's see, that's, that's it, right? There's the paycheck. There's the paycheck. There, there's the paycheck. It's making these, you know, and loving people so much that you, you, and, and giving her the grace to be able to discover those things that she was going through that she was probably just, you know, too ashamed or just didn't want to include it. And then being, Tim, she was petrified. Yeah. She was there. She doesn't meet new people easily. This is where the most <laughs> basic things for, you know, the extroverts were, were terrifying for her. And there she was doing it. And we're evaluating her from our standards that she didn't go warmly greet people and ask us our kids' names. On her standards, she was killing it that she even showed up without collapsing, without wanting to go retreat and hide, that she actually showed up on time, committed. And she, I did an exercise that first night, and she already like, was so articulate. She had no idea she had these strengths. Someone had to tell her. And then once she was aware of them, watch out. Here she is. <laughs> well, I remember when I met you and I walked right up to you. I remember that. I don't know if you remember that, but I walked right up to you and shook you. Said, "Hi, I'm Tim." I think I always say I'm Tim Winter. "Hi, I'm Tim Winter." And I and you were just your response was brilliant. It was well, I you're <laughs> you know, and, and like I call you out on that behavior because not everybody does that. It's a wonderful gift that you do that because it makes people feel seen and heard. The number one thing I've learned over the last few years is that people feel unseen and unheard. What the virtual communication piece did was made many people feel invisible. They left the screen and the leader didn't even notice they left. Their name was right there on the screen. No one ever called them by their name. They had pictures of their kids in the background. No one even asked, who's that? What do they do? What are their names? And so what you do with your strong skill is you make me feel seen and heard when I arrive. And so I'm gonna call you on that. You got to call people on their excellence, not on their weaknesses. Call them out on their excellence. Well, thank you. And uh, you have been very gracious with your time. I'm going to give you time to uh, to have a small intermission before you have to go to your next appointment. But <coughs> Michael, uh, I love you. 
Um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, meeting you, having you in my life uh, in some small way, but and the profound impact that you had. And I can't uh, tell you how grateful I am that you were willing to be a guest on my show and uh, and just share some of your your brilliance. I love you, Timothy. Thank you for that. Remember what Mother Teresa said. She said, no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile. Go forth, make a difference, Brother Timothy. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your week and uh, we'll be in touch. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye.